0: You ready for Base Camp Fitness' best deal yet? Seven days for $7. That's right, seven days for $7. It's time to double down on your fitness goals and snag this offer before it's gone. Call or text Base Camp Fitness at 913-232-9770 or go to BaseCampFitness.com to learn more.
1: Welcome back to the Border Patrol and Sports Radio 810 WHP. Scott Casmar had a really interesting tweet about the Chiefs defense. Most games... Allowing 28 points or fewer in NFL history in a season, right? That's pretty simple. Most games in a season allowing 28 points or fewer. Now, the Chiefs are slightly aided by the 17-game schedule, so they get an extra crack at it. Four teams are tied at 19 19 games in the season, including playoffs, where they allowed 28 points or fewer. The 2000 Ravens. The 2002 Buccaneers. The 2005 Steelers. And the 2010 Packers. What do all those teams have in common?
2: They all won the Super Bowl.
1: Right. Number one on this list by themselves, the twenty twenty three Chiefs with twenty games, allowing twenty eight points or fewer, and they play in the Super Bowl in uh, a week and a couple of days.
2: You know, it's funny we were talking about some of the the comments that if this Ravens team went on to win the Super Bowl, they'd have some of the statistics that put them in the category of the eighty five Bears and. Two thousand Ravens and all this—it's um, just now that you're starting to, to to see numbers like this, comparing the Chiefs to those types of teams. I don't even think the Chiefs really fully appreciated how good this defense was through much of the season. Um, I don't think anybody did. It's just, and and it's it's interesting because, like, I don't know about you guys, but like when you watch this team. So some of those dominant defensive teams you think about in the past they would just overwhelm you up front you know you couldn't even, you couldn't even run the ball for an inch um quarterbacks were always getting hit and with this this defense it's it's they give up some yards in the run game
1: it's harder to play defense in this NFL now
2: that's true that's very true but they're just like they're just kind of good everywhere right like they're they they they've obviously got some guys on the defensive front they can get after the quarterback. They're really good in the secondary. They're linebackers. They have depth. They're
1: smart. They execute the defense really well. I mean, you have, an, okay, you have a possible Hall of Famer anchoring the defensive line of Chris yep. Jones. I would say that it's it's very rare to have two corners at yeah. their peak, the level of Trent McDuffie and LeJaria Sneed. Yeah. To, you know, all pro-level corners. that That is rare. Right? Yeah. That's the best cornerback tandem in football. Yep. Yep. You look at, man, the linebacker group used to be a weakness, and what a strength it is when they're healthy and the versatility. And depth. I mean, what's the – and there's – like there's no there's no weakness, yeah. I mean, like you said giving up the run at times, but the consistency that this team has showed defensively, it's been remarkable
2: and, and consistency losing losing players to injury, having a menahue out for six games at the start of the year. They've had injuries at safety, they've had injuries at linebacker. and the guys that come in just continue to play well. I mean, I, I remember at one point this season asking Bill Moss and Deron Cherry if, if this secondary deserves to be talked about in the same breath as the the secondaries they had back in the day. And it's like your, your initial reaction, I remember, was like, hey, hey, let's pump the brakes here. You know, those second. Remember who who they had in those secondaries? Well,
1: Deron, Deron said that he, he compared um, – Legarius Need and Tremie Duffy to Albert Lewis and Kevin Ross yeah. favorably. He, yeah. he said that was reasonable.
2: No, he said that this secondary is right up there with him. It's uh and that that is saying something.
1: They don't have a safety like Daron Cherry. No. But Justin Reed's pretty damn good. Real good. Uh Brian Cook was playing really well before he got hurt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mike Edwards has been a terrific addition, and Shamari Connor has been uh a great addition via the draft. Yeah, And then, oh, by the way, Deion Bush plays three defensive snaps, and on one of them uh, gets an interception in the end zone.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's another thing about the secondary is, is yeah, like Josh Williams goes out and makes big plays when he needs to. You know, they – You spent all Watson, this
1: time talking about this, and you yet to uh, mention maybe the, the biggest factor.
2: Nick Bolton, Jr.?
1: No. The guy that continues, I think, to be – overlooked and underrated does not get enough love that I think should I mean it's the obvious spags
2: oh oh yeah yeah
1: yeah I mean I mean it's it's it's, look what he's done look how these defenses under spags have performed in the postseason
2: they just get better and better as the season goes on
1: and and look yeah. at this effing run of the way the defense has performed in the second half. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you? What, 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 what's one of the main things that you look for in a coach? Adjustments,
2: ability okay. to adjust, the to ability
1: happening. to adjust to what's you know. I mean, hey, you can game plan all you want, you know, for a week or two weeks leading up to a game, but there are things that are going to happen. That, that maybe you weren't prepared for or they catch you off guard or you're going to have an injury where you have to adjust and you can't do the things you want to do because you don't have the personnel. Right? How many coaches over the years have we seen, whether it's been in college for the teams we follow or the Chiefs or whatever, that just, you know, you know they're going to be good with the game plan, but my guide, adjustments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> make yeah. adjustments, please. Yeah. You know? Yep. And, I mean, it just – and, and you know, Dave Merritt, for what he's done with the secondary, Everybody, I mean, all, all the coaching staff, I'd be – I don't want them to, but I'd be rating this coaching staff, trying to find my next defensive coordinator or, or giving out promotions as far as the defensive side of the football. Because you, if you look at the development, if you look at free agents and how they've played since they've come here, if you look – and especially in the secondary, good God – I mean, how much more proof do you need? Not only being able to identify the talent, but when he gets here, being able to get the most out of that. I mean, there's so many examples and of of and of different types of acquisitions that have come in and, and been able to they get the, the max performance out of them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of you know an afterthought free agent signing like Mike Edwards. You move up in the fourth round to get Shamari Connor, right? You you go out and you move up in the first round to get Trent Duffy. You, you get LaGerice in the fourth round. You know, and, and just, I mean, you think about, you know, Williams and Watson, a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick, you know, uh, going out and spending the money on Justin Reed to get him. They've done it every possible way you could think of. And the results have pretty much been the same. It's unbelievable.
2: Another aspect of of coaching, to me, is player development. Do players improve while they're while they're playing for you? And man, you just look at at and every player has. A, you know, I remember like Bill Self talking about how every player's got a different timeline. Every player, you know, they, they progress at in, in, in different paces. Remember how frustrated everybody was that Willie Gay couldn't get on the field early? And people were blaming Spags. He won't play. He won't trust young guys. Well, that wasn't true because he trusted Nick Bolton Jr. right away, right? But he didn't give up on Willie Gay. And by the end of it, Willie Gay has become a really good player. He's going to make a lot of money next year. How much better is George Karloftis now than he was the first five, six weeks of the season last year? You know he was he was almost a non-factor, and that's one of the reasons about like Felix San Yudike Uzama that we talk about now. He's not doing much now, but under Spags, you you see guys get better. Like all these players, what player that's played for Spags for several years here hasn't improved? It's hard to think of one, isn't the it? It
1: really makes me feel good that now I actually believe that you like Nick Bolton Jr. because for a while you were full of it. I could tell. <laughs> you you'd say it through gritted teeth. <laughs> And now it flows so freely from your mouth that I believe it. You should now have seen me on stage in the Power Either, and Light you're, a, either you're a great liar now, yeah. or you actually do really have love for Nick Bolton Jr. He's a great
2: player. Super Bowl hero. He, You should have seen me in the Power and Light District, the watch party, this past weekend, because we did a prize, which was an there.
1: autographed Nick Bolton Jr. jersey. Listen, bro, I've seen you and your act down there enough have you? Yeah, oh yeah, I've seen you. What you're capable Maybe of? I've seen
2: your act enough. Well, that's
1: right. You have. That's why that act is no longer playing. That act has been taken off the road by Miss Susan St. John.
2: Well,
1: much much like Sarah Grenhard
2: <laughs> took the uh,
1: took the Grunty Show from P and L. I was a pretty good boy. this you?
2: time. Yeah, I was. B O I boy. Why. I had a flight to take that night, so you know I had to be somewhat had had my wits about me. Why? You're not flying. Sorry, I, I used to do the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one flying a plane. That's right.
1: <laughs> but, like, but if you hear like Spaggs talk about Bolton, yeah. he'll come over and make some suggestions. Like he was coming over and making suggestions in Buffalo, just yeah. give some ideas. And Spaggs would say what made, it made too much sense not to do what he said the way they trust him as a quarterback on the field and as a leader. And, and being able to get guys in the right spot. and that's and, and again, that's something else that analytics doesn't measure. the right. human element, the leadership element, you know him being able to act as that extension for the coach on the field that's that, that that's that's part of what you need to know and need to realize with the eye test.
2: That is such a huge component to me to leadership is empowering the people that you're leading. Um, yeah, somebody's got to be in charge, and somebody's got to have the final say on things. But, I mean, we've seen that from Andy Reid. Andy Reid empowers his players. Travis Kelsey and Patrick Holmes go out, and they draw up these silly plays sometimes. And Andy Reid goes, yeah, let's do it. You know, that because what that does is that encourages those guys to more actively think about what's happening on the field. You know, if you think the coach is actually going to listen to you when you see something, you're more likely – to be engaged in the decision-making process and understand, and then you understand things better because you're actively thinking about it. And that that was that was very what, what people said about Spags being unwilling to play young players was very misplaced, in my opinion. Because he's if if you're ready, I believe that Spags buys into that line. If you're good enough, you're old enough.
1: Look at McDuffie.
2: Yeah, well, they put Snead out there right away. They've, they've increased what Snead does over time, but he was playing right off the bat. And and But, but it also doesn't mean just because you're not playing right away early, that doesn't mean you're not going to grow into a player that they lean on. Again, Willie Gay is a perfect example.
1: This stretch right now of what they're doing to teams in the second half dates back to Week 14 against the Bills, and that was an important game. And the Chiefs defense did put uh, the team in position to where they could have a chance to win. But Week 14 against the Bills... They gave up six in the second half. Six at the Patriots, seven against the Raiders. Week 16, three against the Bengals, zero against the Chargers. Six. The backups but still six. And you know what? And, and there's something to be said for that. And it, he didn't get a whole lot of snaps. And when uh since many who came back, but Felix did get over 60 snaps in that game against the Chargers. And that could end up serving him well in the Super Bowl. There were a lot of guys that got a lot of snaps in that game that have played some pretty good roles on this defense in the postseason. So that's not nothing. At the Chargers, you know, a lot of the backup guys gave up six points in the second half. The Dolphins in the second half, zero. The Bills in the second half, seven. And speaking of Bills, the Ravens in the second half, three. Those comments you were talking about spags, before the Bills game, here they are. And we've played Buffalo before,
2: so you got to have something a little bit different. And if you're if you're in the position in the playoffs and you and you need to do that, it's nice to know that you got cerebral guys that can roll with that. And they they do embrace it. Our guys like that. Like like Nick Nick doesn't want vanilla. <laughs> you know, Drew doesn't want vanilla. Justin, Reed, those guys want. They want to be challenged mentally. They want to challenge the opponent's offense. And and not not all guys are like that. Um, I've coached be- guys before that just like I just want to play man or or play post, you know, and just let it roll. But these guys
1: are these guys are great that way. Respond to that, Nate.
2: They've done such a good job of getting a fit for players that not only physically can execute what they want to do, but mentally can handle it. And you know that is that is saying a lot. I think Justin Reed is, has has started to get some love here with the place he's made in the postseason but he has been a wonderful addition to this team he's he's been he's been he hasn't gotten enough love in my opinion you know for for what he's done for this team but those guys they understand their job they understand their responsibilities they understand what is a complicated defense their ability to blitz like that's one of the things that did we talk about too that this some people just love to blitz because you know it's uh, we're swashbucklers, we're 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 risk takers. We we like to go for it. their their ability to blitz from everywhere and to disguise it. And then if you watch a lot of the different breakdowns, whether it's Baldinger or or, or Orlowski, guys like that. Their ability to disguise blitzes and make the quarterback think the blitz is coming from one place and then it comes from another, and their ability to vary the blitz, like the blitzes that they used against the Ravens were controlled blitzes to keep. Lamar Jackson in, in the middle of the pocket, keep him contained, and then pressure him in that regard. They executed that perfectly. They're just – they execute. It's, it's awesome to watch.
1: Let me give Spags some more love. Uh, Jake, I just sent you this clip. We could play before we break. Uh, James Palmer tweeted this out from NFL Network. Mark Ross was with Spaggs, with the Giants, and with the uh, – with the Eagles, he is an uh, analyst for NFL Network and uh, was uh, a scout for 20 years with the Eagles and the Bills and the Giants, um, Player evaluation, VP of Player Evaluation with the Giants. And so he was asked uh, about Steve Spagnuolo and how he's seen him grow. Uh, and also they talked about whether or not he'll get another shot as a uh, head coach. But this is someone who has a lot of history with Steve Spagnuolo and Mark Ross. And this is what he had to say about Spags.
0: And that brings me to Steve Spagnuolo and his defense, their ability to go out there and create turnovers, which is something actually they didn't do really much during the regular season, (laughs) even though they're a brilliant defense. But they created some turnovers, and they played discipline against a dynamic quarterback. And it's a lot because of their defensive coordinator you you brought up in Steve Spagnuolo. You were with him not only in New York, but also in Philadelphia. How has he grown as a defensive coordinator in what you see him do now compared to your time with him in the past?
3: I mean, Spags is just incredible. You you talk about the mistakes and teams that they stepped up to the moment. The Chiefs stepped up to the moment when they needed to. The 49ers stepped up to the moment when they needed to. The Ravens did not mistake after mistake. The Lions did not mistake after mistake. And that's the difference between championship teams. In our two Super Bowl runs, we stepped up to the moment when we needed to. Was it pretty all the time? No. Did you get some lucky bounces here and there? Yes. But – you have to step up to the moment. And with Spags, yes, way back in the day, back in 99, 2000, Andy Reid's first staff, he was our <laughs> linebacker coach. We had Leslie Frazier, around. Rivera. We had all kinds of guys there. But then in New York, we'll of sack. course, the mastermind of the, of the defense there. And Spags just really, number one, his connection to players and staff is incredible. I mean, just the personality that he has, the belief that those guys have in him, the way he can connect besides the X's and O's, That goes a long way with players. When a player steps in a room or on the sideline, he's going to call up the right stuff for us, and we believe in this guy, and he believes in us. We're going to get it done. He always kind of just had that special gravitas about him and still does. You can kind of see it with him. And then just dialing it up. You're talking about stepping up to the moment. He just dials up the right stuff Mm -hmm. in the right moment. And all the coordinators, we're talking about Ben Johnson, the offensive side, aren't made the same. All coordinators aren't the same. You get in pressure-packed situations. Are you going to panic? Or are you gonna come through and, and do the right things just like players do? Coordinators the same things and Spags just really has just an innate feel for dialing up the right stuff at the right time yeah. and knowing how to put his players in position to make plays at the right time. He did it with us in New York, he's done it now with Casey. And it's really just—I mean, can we have a Hall of Fame for a coordinator? You know, (laughs) and it's—I mean, it's just incredible the runs he gets on and the way he's just able to take Mm -hmm. his game to another level in these pressure-packed situations.
1: All right, here's a uh, something else that I think is interesting. The Chiefs, according to one article I saw, have the hardest path to Super Bowl victory since 1981. Measured by DVOA, they could start a whole other debate. Mm-hmm. But if they win the Super Bowl, they will have been underdogs in three of the four games in the playoffs. In their four wins, three of them would have come on the road or in a neutral site. They, the one game they played at home, they had to play in the fourth coldest game in NFL history. They will have beaten the number one, the number two, the number three, and number six teams. By DVOA. They will have beaten the two time MVP who won the MVP this year. They will have beaten four of the five MVP finalists. And they will have faced and beaten the league's top wide receiver and top running back. All of that will be true if they beat San Francisco.
0: Hmm.
1: Wrap your head around that. Jake doesn't want to. Nate, you do it.
2: My head's too small to wrap
1: it around. Think about that, Jake. Think about it. I'm thinking. It didn't look like it. <laughs> I mean, isn't that wow? Yeah, it's a big wow. Well, hell yes, it's a big wow. And my last stat before we break: the Chiefs' defense has allowed points on just seven of thirty drives in the playoffs. Thirty drives. Three zero. Thirty drives. They've only given up points on seven of them. Twenty-three drives have resulted in no points for the opposing offenses. Twenty-three point three percent. You like that? Put that in your pipe and smoke it then. I like that. Broken down in halves, please. All right, then. We'll be right back after this on WHB. (laughs) Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It's Thursday, February 1st. 2024. And right now, we're very happy to be joined by one of the best NFL analysts around NFL Network, Fox Sports, Compass Media. You can check him out on X at Baldy NFL for his excellent breakdowns. Baldy's breakdowns. And I joined us on the show, Brian Balding. Brian, good morning. How are
3: you?
4: Good morning, guys. I'm doing fantastic. Sitting right here in the parking lot of NFL Films, going in to uh, do just a little bit more film study before next week's game.
1: Well, you're the man we want to talk to because we've uh, obviously uh, been uh, blessed to be watching the Chiefs over the past several seasons and uh, what they've done and how special this team is. Uh, and today, we've really been talking a lot about the defense for good reason. Uh, and I'm just curious, through all of the film study you do and um, and everything you've looked at, this 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 defense under Steve Spagnuolo is on a terrific run. They, they've since week 14, they've had a stretch where they've given up single digits in the second half in every game. They've only given up 41 points so far in the uh, in the playoffs. I'm just curious, from your perspective, uh, how have they done this? Why has this defense come together to become so dominant at the right time?
4: Well, I, I, I had Andy Reid on my podcast about eight, ten weeks ago. And, I, and I've known Andy since he came to Philadelphia. And I told Big Red, I said, you know, for the first time since I've known you, Andy, I'm more interested in your defense than your offense. And I felt like they were the best defense in football all year. I know Baltimore had better statistics. But I thought, I thought the reason why was, you know, they, obviously they had the six rookies that got drafted last year. And, you know, they all played last year, and four of them started in the Super Bowl game. They all got basically 20 games of experience last year. And now they were all second-year players where you make a tremendous growth. So Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, all these these kids aren't kids anymore. So, you know, Steve says, look, um, we really want to kind of beef up to stop the run this week. We might put you on an island against OBJ and Jay Flowers and Rashad Bateman. Can you hold up? And I think they love the challenge of it. They all had T-shirts on, uh, pregame warm-up of Baltimore, in spags we trust. So I think it's just his ability to, to really take away what a team does best. Baltimore's a great running team. Um, you know, they really were concentrating on trying to stop all phases of that running game and put the ball in Lamar's hands, and they got them to do that. And, you know, they, it, was, it was a brilliant game plan. Um, with Jerry Snead, I think he's given up one touchdown all year. He's an amazing player. He challenges receivers every week. Sometimes, like, you know, the stuff he does in the line of scrimmage against elite receivers, we all saw what he did with Tyree Kill. He, he plays the game with no fear. And uh, I think Steve really loves and appreciates that aspect.
2: You know, one of the things we, we talk a lot about with with a Spags-led defense is the variety of blitzes that you see. It seems like they can blitz yep. from anywhere on the field. But also, it, it all, uh, this is the part I wanted to ask you about, Brian, because they, in the modern NFL it seems that usually quarterbacks are pretty good at recognizing the blitz, where it's coming from, and they can make you pay. But it seems like the Chiefs do this incredible job of, of disguising it. They seem to catch teams with their blitzes more often than others, and I'm curious why that is. What do they do so well that makes it hard for other teams to recognize where their blitzes are coming from and when?
4: It's a great question, and I don't really have the exact answer to it. Because you'd have to ask, I mean, I think only Steve, uh, who's calling that defense and practicing these pressures, uh, and he learned a lot of them from Jim Johnson in Philadelphia. Uh, I think only he could actually accurately answer that. But I do think, uh, I think they do a great job of understanding what your tendencies are and so what you do out of formations. And the formations dictate, you know, the plays that you run whether it's down, distance, field position. So I think they, you know, they're, they're like a, you know, a computer where they load all this information into the robot and it kind of, it's a little bit like AI. You give it all the great data. It comes out with, you know, this is a great time to run this corner tap blitz off the slide or off the edge. And we'll, we'll also bring Justin Reed from the safety position at the same time. And that will catch you off guard if we do it without, you know, hinting that we're doing it. And so I think, I think that's what it comes down to: is just tremendous film study and understanding what you do out of those, uh, out of those formations and in that part of the field.
1: Brian Baldinger I our guest. Brian, you had a really interesting tweet yesterday, uh, and, and basically you, you showed a clip of. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, you see, you, you play like they practice and, and showing them in the warm ups uh, and how practice habits never change. And maybe that's one of the reasons why they have this nonstop success. I think some people were taken aback at how pissed off Mahomes and Kelsey got at Justin Tucker uh, when he was in their way, when they were warming up. And I know, you know, going to training camp every year to watch the Chiefs to cover the Chiefs, I'm always interested to hear the new additions like Jude Tranquil or or guys coming in to talk about how efficient uh, training camp is and how much work they get done here as opposed to some other places. I mean, there's something too. What, what you tweeted, these guys, it's it's down to a science. They know what they're doing in, in warm ups. That's why they don't they don't want to be jacked with. They don't want to be bothered. You know, Andy runs one of the best training camps for a reason. He knows exactly what he's got to do to get the proper work in. There's a lot that we don't see that goes into the success, and I think that's part of what you were tweeting about, right?
4: Totally, totally. You actually, you, know, you bring up two really good points. I mean, training camp. Uh, like I said, I've known Andy since 1999. I mean, he runs a tough training camp, even under the. Uh, you know, under the, the guidelines that you have to practice now, with you know no pads and all, and all the stuff you got to do, he still is, is hitting in training camp. He still sets the foundation every year. Uh, You know, I remember back in the day Jeremiah Trotter tackling Brian Westbrook to the ground in training camp, and we we're like, "That's your starting middle linebacker and starting running back," and it looked like game day out there. And he still does that. And but you know, you know, if, if you watch, and I know you guys do, but I've watched. Patrick Mahomes in pregame warm-up now for seven years, and it doesn't matter if it's thirty below zero against the Miami Dolphins, or if it's Sunday in a misty, misty rain conditions of Baltimore and forty degrees. His, his routine never changes. He comes, he, he jogs onto the field with his sweats on, his hoodie on, and he goes and he sits on the bench three hours before kickoff, and he cuts it up with the trainers and you know some of the staff and some of the players, and then with you know ninety minutes, two hours, you know before kickoff. He goes out there and he starts this ball toss to every receiver and they run through the entire uh, passing tree. And I've watched it now for years and it never changes. And the the throw that he made to Kelsey against Kyle Hamilton for the touchdown is a throw that he made in pregame warm up just not just Sunday, but every Sunday in every pregame warm up. And they go through the entire and and they all and and it makes it look easy. And so then when it comes time to game time. The throw has to be perfect against tremendous coverage by Hamilton, and it's absolutely perfect. But the only way you get that is by being in that type of routine. And if Justin Tucker is in the way of that routine, then it's just gamesmanship at that point. It's not its not personal or anything. Like, this is what we do. Don't interfere with what we do because we do this the same way every single Sunday. And that's all it came down to. So you had no problem with the
2: way Mahomes and, and Kelsey reacted there? No.
4: No, not at all. Not at all. And, and I don't think – I know Justin Tucker, and I know his kicking coach, Randy Brown, is the mayor of my town in Marlton, New Jersey. Like, I, I see Randy at Wawa's, you know? Like, I I know Randy – I I, tell, I said hello to Randy down there. Like, they're just as specific about their warm-up. Because I texted Randy before the game, I'm like, when are you hitting the field today? And so they were going on the field down in this fourth kickoff. They had their routine, too. It just interfered. And cross-examining with what the Chiefs are doing, so they both like have legitimate claims. But you know that was uh, that was Mahomes' part of the field where he's throwing ball toss to Rasheed and you know Blake and uh, you know and, and Travis and the whole group. Did you? I
2: mean, some people feel like yeah, it's gamesmanship and you're trying to get under the skin of a couple of guys and you got under their skin. But do you really want to get under the skin of Mahomes and Kelsey? It seemed like maybe that backfired a little bit.
4: I don't know if that was their intention. You know, that's the way it was taken. But I don't think anything can um, deter Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey from doing what they do. I mean, they're stone-blooded killers. You know, they're just looking to rip your carotid out every single weekend. So I don't think a kicker can make them any more fierce about the way they compete in this game.
1: Brian Baldinger is our guest. Brian, uh, now the Chiefs must face the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. We saw this matchup uh, a few years ago, but uh, a lot of different players now, including Brock Purdy instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. How do you feel uh, the, the Chiefs match up against this addition of the 49ers? Well, I think
4: they match up well. I mean, the 49ers have not been a shutdown defense at all. I mean, go back and watch them against the Minnesota Vikings or the Cincinnati Bengals or the Cleveland Browns or how Tampa moved the ball or, you know, how Green Bay moved it or last week how Detroit went up and down the field. I mean, defensively, they have great players. I mean, Fred Warner is a great linebacker and Nick Bosa is a great player. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for a lot of guys in the secondary, but, you know, teams have run the ball against them. They've moved them. So that, that's, that's that. And then offensively, they've gotten off to slow starts. In a lot of games, and so they're a very good team, and they're very talented. But they do, um, they do take time sometimes. I mean, they don't even against the Eagles, where they scored 42 points and scored on touchdowns and six straight possessions. I mean, they went three and out the first two times they had the ball. So they have a good team, but I don't think they're uh, and they and they're talented, but they they show weaknesses week in and week out about who they are.
2: Well that's interesting too because the Chiefs defensively if they ever, if they have a weakness it seems to be the first couple drives of the game and then they make big time adjustments. I'm curious how you see that playing out if if the if the Niners have a tendency to start slow on offense and the Chiefs usually get better as the game goes on. How do you see that playing out?
4: Well, I mean, you got to play it out. I you know, I, I thought they defended Baltimore really well outside of the one drive, you know, which basically came off a broken play. Um, you know, I mean, that's, there's not many Lamars that can run around like he did and then find Zay Flowers, you know, for a touchdown. So, I mean, that's the only basic score they had. So I thought they played really well in that game. But, I, you know, look, I, I think the Super Bowl game is you get two weeks to prepare for it. They won't, be, they won't be surprised by anything that San Francisco does. They know that the 49ers love to attack the middle of the field. So how are you going to take the middle of the field away from them? Because that's what Making his big plays, off play action, or you know, uh, you know, hitting Ebo or Ayuk like in stride. Like, how do you how are you going to take that away, and what are you going to do to affect him? Uh, so, I think the challenges are there, but whenever they get started, they get started. You know, the idea is they didn't start real well against the Philadelphia Eagles last year, and then the second half they completely shut them down and became a shootout. So, uh, it's a long game, and you got to kind of figure out what a team that has adjusted to, and what their game plan is after two weeks of preparation. And so those in-game adjustments that have to be made starting in the first quarter of this game in Las Vegas.
1: You you've done so many breakdowns of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense and you know we've seen Patrick Mahomes this evolution to where I mean he's still the best quarterback in the league but in the last six playoff games he hasn't thrown an interception like say for instance compared to the first Super Bowl against the 49ers how has he gotten better what are you seeing from him as he uh, as he gets older and gains more experience and wins more Super Bowls
4: uh, I mean whatever's done in the past doesn't guarantee the future. Uh, you know, the guy plays the game, you know, uh, fearless. And it's what separates him from everybody else. If he does throw an interception, it's not going to affect him. But the fact that he hasn't is just its just remarkable. I mean, just the legacy grows. But, you know, I think he's very, com- you know, very comfortable with game plans, concepts, where he wants to go with the ball, when to throw it away, when to extend plays, when to scramble. Like, you know, he's got the eyes of a, of a hawk and he sees everything, including your coverage and where the, the, the defenders are in the pass rush. And if there's an escape lane, let's take it. Um, you know, he just, he, it's like he doesn't make any bad decisions. And so the decision making is elite, but that's, that's how you get to four Super Bowls in the amount of time that he has so far. Uh, it's just elite decision making a game in and game out right now.
1: My final question for you, Brian, since you were a former offensive lineman, I wanted to ask you about the Chiefs' offensive line. Uh, there's a chance that we'll we'll see Nick Allegretti again for Joe Tooney, which is disappointing for Tooney, but I thought Nick Allegretti stepped in and played very well against the Ravens. What do you think of this Chiefs' offensive line and uh, their ability to protect Patrick Mahomes in this game? Cause I think that's going to be a big key. Yeah,
4: well, I mean, I love him. Uh, I mean, how can you not love Trey Smith and Trey Humphrey? I mean, those guys are inseparable. They're like brothers from a different mother. Uh, Donovan got back in there. Uh, you didn't even notice that Joe Tooney went out in the divisional championship game in the way that Nick played last week. They ran the same offense, which is a credit to, you know, the offensive coaches and to Nick himself. But, you know, he has been a great player. But they ran, the same, they ran the same offense with Nick in there. They're in just Ran the same power, offensive plays. Uh, it didn't look like to be any difference in the way that Pacheco ran the ball with Nick in there. So it's a credit. It's a credit to what they do and how they coach him.
1: Hey, Brian, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. We love your work uh, with the Baldi's breakdowns, and hopefully we can talk to you again sometime soon.
4: I look forward to it, guys. Enjoy the game, man.
1: We thank will. You. Thank you very much. That's uh, Brian Baldinger, courtesy of Jake Gutierrez, who is uh, dressed like an American gladiator today. Or Kurt Angle. so Or both. Play Kurt Angle's song then. Do you want to get cute? To me, that's the best, uh, well, I'll say top five. One of the greatest uh, wrestling theme songs ever. So it gets you fired up and makes you feel patriotic.
2: I'd like to see Jake doing American Gladiators.
1: That's right here. We'll it.
2: You suck. You suck. Everyone.
1: You suck. I think that's going to get this going on like I that. That's the way I like it. That's what the crowd would share.
2: Gotcha. You suck. didn't like it
1: until they did right i always loved them underappreciated underrated that's all good stories tough one now we'll take a break back after this on whp what are you playing such happy music happy go looking do i look happy he got Sherman here. You he got me. I'm I'm sideways. I'm trying to cheer Play you up. Play something with man. an edge. Play something rough. I'll is it, it, is rough it a chip on hour. your shoulder? Like is it I'm a Super Bowl no, chip? Just, what what is it? You're, well, my, you I, are on my, my voice. I can't get my voice back. Yeah, it's it hurts and it's irritating me, and I just you know, I want something with an edge. You know, I'm not here kissing ass. <laughs> Maybe you are. You're not Maybe, here. I you're not know. here.
2: Sunshine pumping.
1: Yeah. I'd like the Super Bowl to get here, but I, you know what? Yeah. It's happening. There we go. See, that's edgy. There we go. That's better. Yeah. Yeah, that's a more that's a more reasonable song for Sherm to walk into. You know. Yeah. What do you like? What do I like? Yeah, well, like, what's your favorite music or oh, favorite artist? Like this, you know? this
0: is good. Yeah, okay. this is good stuff. It all depends all right. on what, you know, what's going what, what do I have that day? Right. Yeah, I mean, right. Here we go. I grew up loving this, but it's, it's too bad that they're all complete sellouts. Yeah not we all? Not, they're not yeah, raging
2: against the machine so no, much anymore? No,
0: they're, they're, they're shills. For they, the are, they are now. the machine.
2: <laughs> they are, yeah. Rage they're... against the machine until you join it. Yeah, now we're <laughs> shills for it. That's kind of that's kind of the American dream, though, isn't it? Yeah, I guess.
1: Sure. what about so this Justin here, Tucker? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah, no, I, love Tucker. You know, <laughs> I love it. I love this guy. I love it. Do these... you think
2: he was trying to get under their skin? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I mean,
0: what kind of question
1: is that, dude? You should have called in
0: and said something. I should have, I, yeah. I was getting mad at my car by myself, driving in, listening to Nate. But what was he doing down right there? I see it, too. Yeah. I, <laughs> they, they, they do that stuff all the time. He was being Kickers a jerk off. Kickers and punters, and they, they just think that they have the control of the field. And Yeah, I used to try to get in the way of That's right. them doing their stuff. And I will kick them off the field, kick their ball. <laughs> yeah. They're weird, man. Their their pregame routines are weird. Like even like when the cheerleaders and stuff are running, like they're like kicking balls. Yeah, just just don't do it when just don't do it when the actual players are on the field. Right. You know what I'm saying? Go 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 down to your end. Go in the locker room. Do whatever you're gonna do. Get out there earlier if you have to. I was gonna say it's not like out there earlier. They 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 can be. They can. They just choose to do that stuff. And I love absolutely loved what Kelsey and Pat did. Yeah. that was the point I was trying to make. Is do you really want to
2: f with those guys?
0: You know no, what I mean. Like, I mean, it didn't. It, that didn't have any impact on their focus or dedication to the game. Like it, that, you can you can be pissed off all you want, but like it's not going to change the fact that what, the the time and effort you put in all week, yeah. to prepare for that situation. Okay,
2: so they're like you. You always seem like. Well, we can ask. I'll ask you more about it. I'll ask you more stupid
1: questions after yeah, the break. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. Can't wait. Sounds like we got a hell of a segment going yeah. up. Yeah. Right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. <laughs>